for Father's Day, we're listening to two stories. One about a dad who was so determined to get his daughter out of a small town in China. We'll learn how he charted her life from four years old. The second story is how a daughter had to deal with tables turning and she had to be patient and understanding with her father. Find out how they got through as a family on this episode of Technically a Conversation. Super friends, welcome to another episode of Technically a Conversation. Here, we like to share an interesting topic or a story with each other, which we've recently learned, and hope you find it interesting too. I'm one half of your host, Isela. Joining me as always is Jose. How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing pretty lovely. How was your week? I heard the, the woes of the heater. Well, it's been a few weeks removed since then. Uh, so luckily, I've had time to mourn. And time for my bank account to kind (laughs) of stabilize a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Just wanted to take this opportunity to remind everyone that we'll be doing our two-year anniversary show on Saturday, June 24th. This is going to be way different than any other show that we've done because it will be a video podcast and we are going to do a live stream. Make sure you're subscribed to all of our socials. On Saturday, we'll be posting the link where you can stream it live on YouTube and another link where you can come on the show, hang out, and talk to us. We hope that you all will join us. More details to come. Keep an eye on our socials, primarily our Instagram, since that's the one that we mainly use. And we'll post the links in one of our stories. Can't wait to see you guys. Dad's Day just took place. What kind of gifts does your dad usually enjoy? I wish I knew. That would definitely make Father's Day gift oh purchases much easier. What do you mean? I'm sure you know your dad by now. Well, my dad is the type of person that doesn't like anything, so it always makes shopping for him extremely difficult. He doesn't have hobbies? His hobby is watching TV and drinking beer. There you go. Get him an 18-pack of friends. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, she last oh, them the weekend. And that holds you. Okay. <laughs> He's a thirsty dude. <laughs> what about you, Isela? My dad loves golf. He's a big time golfer. So usually anything with golf, you know, he's happy with. Oh, that's nice. It just happens to be one of the most expensive sports. So that's always (laughs) rough. (laughs) Yeah. No, for sure. But at least you have an idea of what to get him. That is his hobby for sure. He loves golfing. I think he loves golf because it's like the longest game that he could be outside of the house. Like if he could take up cricket and he could find a cricket game just to get his ass out of the house, (laughs) I think he would do it. What about pickleball? Does he like pickleball? Oh, I love pickleball. My sister got me into it. I already got paddles. Dude, we're going to do it. I think you're going to like it. Get ready. Cool. (laughs) I'm really good at diving, which is surprising for my portly size, but I am very good at diving. (laughs) Hey, that's cool. There you go. I don't know if you got to get that much into it, but whatever works. You should see me when I play table tennis. I always take the dives. (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty wild so good good i now i gotta see this no no joke i have a an old friend of mine that i've known since high school when he was in college there was a ping pong table and he got so into it that he knocked his tooth out oh my god (laughs) he knocked his tooth out yeah and then he put the paddle down and they were like hey where are you going and he was like i'm going to the dentist (laughs) 
Oh my God, that's awful. Poor guy. Yeah, pretty bad. One time I went to go play, well, we had gone to a bar and they had the little table tennis there mm-hmm. uh, with one of my friends, Audrey. I, I know that you know her. Mm-hmm. I do. I don't know if she listens to the show, but one of the times that I took a dive, I ended up hitting a fire extinguisher mm-hmm. and this fire extinguisher just dropped to the ground and it like ended up spraying out a little bit. It was so fun and so hilarious, especially because we knew we had done something probably like illegal or something. Yes. And then we couldn't hang it back up because I broke the bracket where it was hung on the wall. So we just kind of just rested it against the wall and quietly (laughs) left. So funny. Good times. Quietly left. Yeah, Yeah. you kind of just moonwalked out of that building. (laughs) Yeah, we took our beers and I think we just walked out with the beers and everything and left the building. Wow. That's that's audacious. All right. It's bold. <laughs> yeah, no. I don't think we went that far, but um yeah, I, we did quietly leave after that had happened. Well, being that Dad's Day was so close, I thought it would be really cool to share two stories centered around dads. The first story is how a dad really pushed her daughter into a career which she really wasn't the most passionate about and how that worked out for her. It's a really touching story because he fought so hard for his daughter. And hopefully it reminds us how sometimes our dads really do want what's best for their kids. The other story is where the daughter actually really had to come to terms with understanding her dad, being very patient, really digging deep for a lot of patients. You'll find out why. (laughs) They were both grieving, but stay with me. It's actually really funny, some of the things he gets himself into. Cool. I look forward to hearing both of them. Yes, absolutely. Time to pull up your sock suspenders and hold those dad jokes. We're kicking off the Delightful Dads Stories episode. (laughs) (laughs) So the first story takes place in China, although it is in the most populous country. The woman telling the story, Yibin Li, she grew up in a small town in the Gobi Desert, where jobs were really hard to come by, farms were very poor. It was basically just, you know, either farms or one big factory type of jobs. And uh, the factory, they made metal and steel products. And the worst part is the weather is really awful. And Jose, you and I are desert babies, so we know what it's like to live that desert life, yo. (laughs) Yeah, very oppressive heat sometimes. Right. And we have both extremes. It could be bitterly cold sometimes, and then it could be awfully hot, right? One of the times uh, she had said that the asphalt melts over there and it would muddy up her white school uniform. Oh my God. So it literally melts? Yes. Yeah. Wow. It does that in Phoenix sometimes. That's why sometimes they can't even land planes. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that that was actually a thing. It is really a thing. In fact, one of my sister's first summers out there when she moved, she said she thought she had stepped in gum because she was like, God, what is that? (laughs) Her shoes were melting the bottom. Oh, my God. I'm grateful that I've never experienced that. And I've gone in the peak of summer. I think one year I went in August for OzFest, and it was awful. August sounds really bad. That's like balls sticking to your legs type of thing, I would imagine. Yeah, well, luckily the balls were lubricated from all the sweat, so. Gross. (laughs) That's very nasty. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, that sounds bad, though. Yeah, it wasn't fun. 
Well, Yibin's dad sounded like he was the music director of sorts for his local government, which was really just producing like propaganda, music propaganda. He would take the group on tour into like other small towns and as young as four years old, or well, four and a half actually, her dad plainly told Yibin she's going to have to learn how to play an instrument and she chose the violin. The main reason was he was trying to protect her from a job under the sweltering sun farming and not even in the factory did he want something for her like that. You know, it's heavy labor. The way he drove this point home, she recalled was he took her to the market where people were selling clothing on the street in this like unbearable heat. He admonished if she didn't want to be like that because there was a kid that was in the market and she was trying to sell clothes. He said, if you don't want to be like that little girl, you're going to need to practice your violin. And oh, wait, I should mention, sorry about this. I should mention this earlier. All of this comes from a This American Life episode. You already know how much I love This American Life. We all love it. I'm sure many of our super friends do too. Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite podcasts. So you might have heard about this. And if you did, great. We can talk about it together. <laughs> it does sound slightly familiar, but it's been a while since I heard it. It's in the 700s. I know they're um, pretty up there. <laughs> 765 to be exact. <laughs> then I have heard it because I've heard everything from one through almost 400 and then from about 600 to 799. Whoa. And I know because 800 was the one that just dropped on Sunday and I haven't had a chance to listen to that one yet. Okay. Well, then yes, we can definitely chit chat about this afterwards. <laughs> I'll see if I remember. Hopefully I do remember. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When the interviewer asked if that was a motivating moment for her when, you know, she saw that little girl trying to sell clothes. She very honestly answered, no, I was a kid. <laughs> I would imagine that only prodigies like Stevie Wonder or Mozart really liked to practice as kids, right? <laughs> it only makes sense to me. Vanilla Ice, another prodigy. Sure. <laughs> In someone's <laughs> eyes, I'm sure. <laughs> Get this, Jose. She sounds like your kind of lady because she did say that while she played her scales, she would continue to flip through comic books, a rebel and a comic book lover. If she was of age, she is. This is like Jose's boner starter kit right there. <laughs> What's not to love? I, I was like, oh man, Jose would be all over this. If, you know, of course, she was age appropriate. Let's, of course. let's be very clear. <laughs> I must feel a little bad for saying boner in this episode because we're talking about deaths. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> I feel like I'm usually the one that makes the dick jokes, but you've made, well, you said one about balls and then this one. I'm very proud of you. I'm turning over a bad leaf here. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Yibin also said that she would press on her skin right where her neck is. She would make it look as if she had been holding the violin against her, like her clavicle or wherever for like hours. And she would tell her mom, oh, look how much I practiced. It's so red. <laughs> <laughs> she really did have an ear for music and violin came naturally to her. So she had that going for her. Her dad was a really good teacher and he was very patient and kind to her. Let's dive in a little bit deeper into her dad. He truly loved Western classical music, but it was banned in China. So what he would have to do to listen to it is he would have to stay up really, really late at night 
and it would come in through a Russian radio station. Violins were barely even allowed to play in China under the strict condition only if you played revolutionary music. The dad had to take a violin from school, which he found. The music that he got for her was all hand-copied by himself, which in turn was also hand-copied from another person, copied from another, all like 80 or 90 pages from one book. And he had several books for her, you know, like when she was learning, it was like book one, book two, book three, book four. There were so many. I mean, dude, that's a lot of time that he put into it, you know? It is. And after you said that, I do remember this story. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> In 1977, Yibin was seven years old and her dad was really pumped explaining that auditions were opening up again for a conservatory. And soon he was going to take her to audition and adding, if you get in, then you would have your future. Like that must have been like the heaviest words for a seven-year-old, like your future at seven years old. Or maybe that's just like the American in me. I don't know. But his goal was music would be her ticket out of their tiny town and onto bigger and better. She was eligible to audition at 11 and a half years old, even to get to the audition to Cheyenne. I think that's the name. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that. One of the biggest cities in China. Her dad had to sell things from their home. Relatives donated money. He even used money from an inheritance that caused a family feud for years. It took them 36 hours by train. And her biggest and best memory was that this was the time that she got to have steamed cake for breakfast every day. The whole bag was all for her, which is really sweet. It sounds like an 11 and a half year old or whatever she was at the time. Back home, they hardly ever bought it. It doesn't sound like they were, you know, rich and they could afford steamed cake all the time. Plus she was a kid. So of course that's going to be the thing that she was going to remember. Right, exactly. Next, she remembered seeing so much green the hills and the mountains and the fresh air kind of reminded me of the way we feel when we go to like Rio Delso or something. They stayed at a hotel. She absolutely loved this version of life. When she auditioned, she loved hearing herself confidently play with the piano. She made it through to the second round and was looking forward to playing a particular part that really allowed her to show off technically on the violin. Sadly, though, someone clapped her quiet and said, that's enough, barely a page in. And he explained he didn't need to hear any more. So she walked out super disappointed, full of confusion, and really full of fear of disappointing her dad and killing his dream, really. Her dad implored one of the college students who was helping out the judges to let Yibin play again, which is never allowed. So the dad pleaded, explaining they're from such a tiny town. It took such a long ass train ride to get there, you know, that they had to endure. And the student actually knew from the the tiny town that they were from. And I think this is the reason why he might have had a little bit of a soft spot for the dad. He said, let me at least get the reason. We definitely can't have her play again. So he went, he came back. He said, they said that she had good posture. She also had good tone, but she played many wrong notes. Yibin's dad almost felt offended and retorted, I played it with her. I know every note. When her dad showed him the hand-copied book, the college student saw the problem. The notes themselves were wrong, and the college student felt really bad for him and Yibin. After two weeks, they received a telegram stating Yibin was in. This is where I have a clip. 
for some reason, he took a moment and wrote a letter to my dad. says, I had a sympathy. I heard your story. We were shocked about hand-copied each note. And um, I'm very touched. By the way, she got in because three other kids did not pass Chinese and math exams. She's on the bottom, but she's in. Congratulations. Okay. So that's great news, but at the same time, way to keep you humble, right? <laughs> He's like, she's at the bottom. <laughs> In fact, the day before yesterday, I listened to an armchair expert podcast, and Dak Shepard said that Jake Gyllenhaal sent him a coffee mug, which was a really sweet, thoughtful gift, and it said something like, here's a reminder that you're awesome, or something like that. <laughs> but Dak Shepard said, I should have a mug. Or he said that he wanted a mug that says, you know, here's your reminder to be awesome. Or that you're awesome, but you're still a piece of shit. <laughs> he said he wants that one. <laughs> He's like, you know, I got to keep myself humble. <laughs> this was because the other three kids, as you had heard, um, they didn't have really good academic standings. But from the conservatory, Yibin moved on to Shanghai. She graduated there. Then she studied in New York City in Juilliard. And that's where she has remained in New York City. And um, I also do have a clip about her dad. I always think my dad made me. Without him, I, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be me. I don't know what the other life could be. I don't know. But I love what I have. I mean, I'm so lucky doing what I love to do. Isn't that sweet? That is very sweet. It is super touching. Did your dad ever try to push you into a career? Mm, not really, but I think we've discussed my dad. <laughs> Many times on this <laughs> <Okay>. podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My dad didn't push me into a career either. But I think that was also the nice thing is he never was like, you got to get out of here or something like that. I think this is, again, you know, we live in America and there's a lot of opportunity here. So that completely makes sense. But anyway, I, I really loved that story. How, how would you feel about pushing a career onto your kid like that? I wouldn't push a career onto my kid. But I would definitely be supportive of anything that they wanted to do. If they wanted to get into music, I would make sure that, you know, they had decent instruments to play, that they had the proper lessons. If they wanted to get into like photography, you know, whatever they wanted to do, I would definitely be supportive of them. That's good. I think that's key. Yeah, definitely. And as somebody that used to play music, I mean, I would love it also if my kids went down that path, because that's a path that I wish I would have been able to pursue. So, you know, of course, I would be really happy if they did that. But if they didn't, you know, I, I would still support whatever they would want to do. Because music was my thing. It wasn't my dad's thing. So, you know, of course, you know, that wasn't anything that he was interested in. But, you know, just the way that I was interested in music, if my kids are interested in anything else, I'm going to be supportive of that. And then let's fast forward. Like, if your kid was 20 years old and then you could jam with your kid, how fun would that be? That would be super fun. It would be like very dream come true type of thing. So my dad didn't really push anything on me, but my mom would always push to learn guitar because she wanted us to all become like this, I don't know, mariachi singing family or something. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, that was the only person who really pushed us into anything. And then, of course, I mean, I learned how to play some chords, but I wasn't really trying to like shred or <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you weren't doing any sweep appreggios or tapping or anything? <laughs> Right. No, no. I wasn't doing the Carlos Santana. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, when we return, we'll hear about the story of a daughter and the dad that's grieving. 
told from the daughter's perspective, who happens to be a comedian. So you know it's going to be funny. Stay tuned. Hello, Twisted Humans. Do you find yourself wanting to know more about the latest murder, conspiracy, cult, or haunting? Then this is the podcast for you. In 1952, there was a record high of UFOs reported. 1,500 sightings. There has been evidence of human sacrifice, devil worship, and it is haunted by more spirits than can be counted. A family of two adults and two kids reportedly saw a giant flying thing with glowing red eyes. And meanwhile, the family's nanny that helped Veronica to care for her and Lucian's children was found bludgeoned to death in the basement of their family home. I'm Alicia. And I'm Sierra. And this is Twisted Twisted and Uncorked. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night, an Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. We're your hosts. My name's Cortland. And I'm Brandon. And in our podcast, we take apart each episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark, scene by scene, and discuss it in detail. This show is prime early 90s Canadian acting at its best, or in some cases, worst. We're here to laugh our way through seven seasons and 91 episodes. So whether you're a fan of the show... Dink. That's hard dough. No, mister. Accent on the dough. Won't you come play with me? Hey, we're just having a goof. Or experiencing it for the first time. We know there's nothing better than staying up all night with a scary story. And we're back. Did you make any babies? I did not, know. <laughs> That's the weirdest question that we've had so far. <laughs> like, I think I would need at least nine months. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You work fast. I know your tricks. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. Actually, that sounds bad. Sorry. I didn't mean that that bad rumor to come out. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. It's okay. I think it'll actually help my reputation a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> He's efficient. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> So if you heard that one, then you surely heard this other story because it's great and it's hilarious. Hopefully you remember it. Also, still on episode 765 on This American Life. Weird grief story. Do you have any uh, any stories yourself? Like you've seen anybody grieve in a particularly weird way? Not that I can recall my family doing. I know on my dad's side of the family, they're very um, distant with their emotions. So it's really weird going to funerals and you know not really seeing people cry, I guess, like you would see in movies. But on my mom's side of the family, it's completely different. I think that's where I inherited my emotions from because I have an aunt that like she'll pass out and everything. It's like, oh, wow. Yeah, you don't even see people pass out anymore. Like that seems like something that people did like in the 30s and 40s or something. But yeah, that went out the door, I feel like, along with that whole like your like days of your you know (laughs) y-o-r-e yeah but i have an aunt that's very dramatic and um you know she'll do stuff like that yeah that's very like this american novella life (laughs) is what she was living (laughs) so i guess that would be the most unusual is seeing her drop to the ground and pass out and everything what about you no i 
I can only say that I've only seen just the regular crying and, um, you know, kind of the stoicism, like, of some people's faces where they're like, no, no, I have no emotions, you know, <laughs> type of thing, which everybody has emotions. Can we all just, like, be okay with it, people? But that's about it, really. I I always found it a little bit weird and, and wonderful in a weird way when people had those uplifting funerals where everyone's laughing and it was a little off-putting, but it was really beautiful. I really hope that that's kind of the wake I would have. When my cousin passed away, he wanted an Irish wake. So it was kind of like that because we all kind of went up to the podium and, you know, shared some of our favorite stories about him. And, you know, of course, we were all shit-faced from all the drinking and everything. Oh, it was like Jameson provided by. <laughs> well, it was more like natural light provided by my dad. But uh, Oh, that's not Irish. <laughs> yeah, <Okay>. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that's really sweet. Oh, it sounds it sounds like a nice remembrance. It's the most unusual funeral I've ever been to. Mm. But which one would you prefer? The one of just like regular crying or a little shit-faced? And... I would definitely prefer to getting a little bit shit-faced, telling stories of stupid stuff that I've done, you know, maybe put on some jams that I liked, and then um, make a tree out of me. Bury me with a little seed and see if a tree comes out. There you go. Yeah, a seed, uh, which is also known as a tooth. I'm just no. The only thing that didn't burn. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I actually heard that from Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. He was saying that there's places that they can, you know, take your body and I don't believe they put you in a casket or anything. They just kind of put you like in a, I want to say like a burlap sack or something with a seed and your body provides the nutrients for that tree to grow. I have heard of that. I think that's really nice, actually. Yeah. Well, this is a story when... Casey Wilson's mother had passed away. Her dad, and she's pretty famous, so she was on that show, Happy Endings, in case anybody wants to look her up. But when her mother had passed away, her dad was the one who found her body in the morning. And it was a heart attack that had taken her out, unfortunately. He happened to have a camera nearby in the bedroom where she, her body still lied. <laughs> and um, he thought it would be a great moment to capture with a couple of snaps. This was 2005 for context. <laughs> this was the first time Casey got a chance to ask her dad why he did that. And he answered, you know, as, as honestly as he possibly could. And he said that he thought it was a good idea at the moment, but he didn't realize how gruesome it was going to look, <laughs> which is crazy. How do you not know that? <laughs> About a year later, Casey was going through some photos of her dad's softball team and bam, smack in the middle of them, she found... The death snaps, <laughs> crazy, <laughs> which is really crazy. And she said one of them was even a selfie. What? <laughs> oh, my God. I know, it's kind of dark. I think that is very morbid. I agree with that statement. It's like when people post those pictures of injuries in the hospital. Please, people, don't do that. It, nobody wants to see your hands all mangled or something. We feel bad. Like, just say that you're in the hospital and we'll pray for you or whatever. We'll send good vibes out. I don't like when people do that. It makes me feel like, ugh, feels bad. <laughs> you know, I'm going to share something and I'm only going to share it just because I'm sure she doesn't listen to this show. Awesome. But my stepmom is the type of person that will take pictures of people like at the funeral, like the the bodies. <gasps> really? Yeah. Does she say, what? does she really go back and look at the pictures? I don't know if she does, but I do think that's kind of dark and morbid. Yeah. It seems a little strange and questionable. But I know that 
when there was a family member that passed away, the daughter was not able to attend the funeral. So she sent the pictures to the daughter and she actually did thank my stepmom for having sent those pictures since she was not able to attend the funeral. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, no. I feel like missing a funeral, you want to be there, of course, but I don't know if you want to be there, you know, like bam, smack in the room. If you missed it, then I'm sure you sent positive vibes to the family and whatnot, but I don't know if I would want to see pictures, to be perfectly honest. Well, the daughter missed it because she was, it was during COVID, so she was in intensive care with COVID. I think she was like in a coma or something at that time, so that's why she was not able to attend the mother's funeral. Mm, wow, that's really sad. Uh, yeah, that's a hard call. I don't know. I don't know if I would take a picture still. I wouldn't want to see that. I don't like to look at family members once they're dead. I try my hardest not to see them dead. I agreed. I feel like it ruins a little bit the idea of who they were when they were alive and happy and however you kind of remembered them most. But I have heard also the contrasting viewpoint of that, that, you know, you're, if you don't see them that last time, you're always going to regret it. So I don't know. But I'm kind of there too. I, I don't want to tarnish their memory and have the last memory that I have of them being in a casket. I don't like to look at that. I usually kind of push that to the side and then remember them in the happy, jolly way that they, you know, they probably were. That's how I choose to remember them as well. Speaking of funerals, since you had mentioned that, Cassie's dad did plan the funeral and perhaps a little too well. And what I mean by that is he had it filmed like TV cameras. He got three. He got a three. <laughs> I don't like it was a sitcom and shit. Yes, a three camera crew, dude. <laughs> like it was some weird dark version of how I met your your dead mother. <laughs> While Cassie was giving her eulogy, somehow the sound cut out in the last five minutes, and the dad made her go into ADR and re-record. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is very <laughs> And then when he was like directing her, he was like, really go there. He was basically <laughs> telling her to cry. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is very funny. It's so dark and I feel so bad for laughing. But she, she said it in the most entertaining way. So I think the point was definitely made and it was very funny. It sounds like this should be filed under cruel and unusual punishment for sure for her. <laughs> Anyway, the funeral DVDs, this was, um, I'm sure, 2005's Stocking Stuffers, and he, he sent them to, like, the entire extended family. And he, he did, like, uh, sadly, he did six funerals. Like, he took that shit on the road. <laughs> <laughs> he planned out six additional funerals across the country for those that couldn't make it. Cassie couldn't understand why he would kind of torture himself with funeral after funeral, but she started to get the understanding that they felt more like parties for her dad. And he said that he wanted her mom to feel like she was really loved by so many people. And that was really why he chose to do so many funerals. And he even added that that was healing for him. Somehow that healed him. Shortly after the funeral tour <laughs> had ended, <laughs> Cassie's dad told her the inevitable that was surely to come eventually, hence inevitable. Sorry, it's redundant. <laughs> he 
he had started dating only three months after her mother had passed. She asked how it happened, and he told her that he was just in a bar, and some lady frantically knocks on the window. He turns around, and she's signaling him to go outside. So he does, and she just starts kissing him. <laughs> uh, this <laughs> It sounds like he's telling a story of uh like sexual harassment (laughs) (laughs) but he was saying it in the most like oh look how cute and like it was like the cutest like story ever (laughs) she was shocked she was like dad no this is not okay (laughs) it's really funny the conversation that they have together after he had opened that door of starting to date he was all aboard the pootie tang train (laughs) (laughs) he dated the mom's good friends the mom's first cousin, a C-SPAN anchor. Her dad even asked out a woman he met on a crosswalk. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, it totally reminded me of one of our favorite songs. And I'm going to sing it for you. <laughs> be my lover, wanna be my lover. Oh, yeah, wanna be my lover. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then she gets all crying. What I mean, my love. By, by then, it sounds like she's really frustrated, right? What I mean, my love. But yeah, it sounds like he was literally just asking everyone, want to be my lover. I love how you do the pantomime to that song. <laughs> Reminds me of our road trip. <laughs> <laughs> That's also another reason why I knew I had to throw that in there, for sure. <laughs> so her dad was manic. One of the ideas he had was to wallpaper the house with gift wrapping paper. And he was justifying it with, why pay money for wallpaper when this is just as nice? (laughs) (laughs) Look, he wasn't just some weird money-saving Lothario. He wasn't? He was not. (laughs) He bought a woman in their church new teeth. (laughs) But his decisions were definitely questionable. Like the time he went to a hairdresser, he pulled out a $20 bill, which has Andrew Jackson looking like a slightly less unhinged Doc Brown from Back to the Future. <laughs> and he told the hairdresser, I want to look like that. <laughs> he ended up getting a large barrel perm. <laughs> he, sent, he sent a selfie of himself in the curlers to his daughter. <laughs> well, I think Andrew Jackson looks fairly dashing in that picture. He looks a little weird. I even put this as one of the links to our show notes because in case, you know, you live outside the country and you want to see how crazy this man looks, his hair is kind of all over the place. As somebody who has their hair all over the place, I guess uh, that's why I don't find it that shocking. No, your hair is not like that. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite stories is this next one. One night in a restaurant, he was being noble on the behalf of an older woman who was not being seated. So he had uh, picked a fight with the maitre d', and this resulted in his arrest. (laughs) He didn't even get a chance to eat. So while he was being dragged out of the restaurant, he rallied everybody up to throw peanuts into his mouth by shouting, Not me! He sounds crazy. He sounds crazy and he sounds kind of fun, to be honest. He does. And he sounds like he's definitely going through some shit. Agreed. Yes. If you were the daughter, what would you think? Would you say anything to your dad if that was your dad? 
I would just because I would fear that he would do something even more insane and get himself arrested or end up injuring himself or somebody else. Yeah, it should be known that he really was seeing a grief therapist. I think they're called like bereavement counselors or something like that. And there's a term for this. It's called bereavement mania. So it must happen pretty often that there's actually a term for it. At this point, she did try to get him to stay with her so that she could keep a closer eye on her dad, perhaps prevent another (laughs) run-in with the law. But his antics continued and she would cry. You know, she would throw fits in her words. And he would yell and say, like, stop trying to control me. I'm fine, which obviously doesn't sound fine. But it brings us to the story of where Cassie's dad realized when he actually was not fine. It was at her friend Amanda's wedding. Her dad loves weddings. This is like he lives for weddings. And he was sort of the father of the bride of sorts. And guess what? That three camera thing was back. (laughs) But this time, I guess I can kind of see that one, right? This is a, a celebratory occasion. He danced a ton. He was the life of the party. And then he disappeared at one point. When she found him, he was inside the house where no one was supposed to be. He had rolled up a bridesmaid in a rug like a giant burrito where only her head was sticking out. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. She was a willing participant. They were both laughing. And then he stuck an empty beer bottle out of his zipper of his pants and he gestured as if he was peeing, which is when she realized, the daughter realized, okay, it's time to wrangle my dad and take him home. He broke free and ran back towards the wedding and he ended up crashing through the bushes just so he could get back into the wedding area. And he even was yelling, I'm free, I'm free. (laughs) So it sounds like the bereavement mania ended up progressing to Hulkamania. Yes, 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 exactly. Well, the bushes were poison ivy. So he learned the next day in the hospital. (laughs) I mean, it's like one thing after another with this poor man. For as much as Cassie wanted her dad to calm down, she realized that there's really no playbook to grieve. She even said, however you get through it is probably the right way. The difficult conversation they had was really honest. It was such a beautiful conversation. He listened to her. He validated her feelings. It was so refreshing to witness that type of conversation. And he really sounded like a great dad. I'm not sure if it was just because of the way we grew up where, you know, if you say you're sad or any kind of feeling, you know, it's basically like, oh, you're just bored. Now go clean your room. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, I I really particularly loved it. I don't know. Do you remember that story? I do. Yeah. Yeah. That one was uh, very interesting how that man took that grieving or his actions that were attributed to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thankfully, he he wrangled it in and he realized, okay, yeah, I should not be acting like this. But he got through it. They all got through it. And apparently he is, you know, dating some very stable lady now from what it seems like. So that's always good. But yeah, this is two great stories of really good dads for Father's Day belated. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just one day removed. This is true. Hopefully you guys can still share this with your fathers or whoever you want to share it with. Yeah, it's Juneteenth, so most people will probably be off anyway. So that way they could still share it with their families. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Any parting words before we wrap it up? No, uh, you know, I was just thinking how different people's experiences are from our own. 
Because when you were asking me about my dad earlier, I was going to say, have you ever seen that meme where the kid puts on the VR goggles and he sees like the dad on the deathbed saying, son, I'm so proud of you and I love you. And he takes it off and he's like, oh my God, no, there's no way that this could be real or something, you know? Just because for most of us, we never hear stuff like that from our, our fathers. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I, I mean, like you, as you were saying, there's different kinds of dads. and Yes. It's so refreshing to hear these beautiful stories about dads. And I, I think you're right. It's the way we grew up. There was a lot of machismo. Boys don't have feelings. And, you know, and and I think that that might even be attributing to why we have so many crazy men snapping and they're pretty much like 99% of mass shooters. Women get to talk about their feelings. Boys don't, you know. Yeah. That is very true. Who knows? But anyway, well, I'm glad you enjoyed both of the stories. Uh, once again, <laughs> my version of it. <laughs> well, congratulations, lovelies. You've done it again, folks. You've learned along with us a couple of real life examples of good dads and how they need patience and understanding too sometimes. We hope you've been entertained by our chat and invite you to join us again next week. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review. And tell a friend and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast now. Yeah. Follow us on all the social at greetings, T-A-C. Email us at greetings, T-A-C at gmail.com. Or leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669. You have a cool dad story to share with us. About what your dad did at a funeral. No. <laughs> no. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bueno, bueno, bueno. Okay, I'm going to stop.